0: Choir and what they're doing, it's (laughs) wonderful. You may be seated. Appreciate their work week after week and they put a lot of time in. Would you turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1 verses uh, 2 through 4. If you recall a few weeks ago there was a wonderful snowstorm. And uh, 56 of you braved it. And we canceled the other two services at 11 o'clock. And I preached this sermon that Sunday, and I've had several people say to me, you know, you really need to do that again. So if you're one of the 56, sorry. <laughs> but I'm not really sorry because you've already forgotten it. You forgot it that afternoon. And so I, in, in uh, respect for those who requested it again and thought that everyone ought to be able to hear it um, Let's read this portion of Scripture. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Everybody that I know has them. And I don't know anybody that likes them. And yet they can be very beneficial to one's life, while at the same time bringing great stress and anxiety to the person. And in fact, the very first thing that probably came to your mind after reading that passage and making those statements is trials, tribulations, difficulties. Trials bring a lot of questions to our minds, don't they? And in fact, when you're going through some severe trials and testings, you you really at times begin to doubt the love of God and doubt that God really cares for you, depending on how severe those tests and trials may be for you. Uh, Gary Richards, in his book, It's a Jungle Out There, told of uh, witnessing a giraffe giving birth to its young. I've been fortunate to see giraffes in Africa and get up close and personal to them, they're big. And he's watching this happen and the four legs and the head have already come into vision and the giraffe is still standing up. And he says to the zookeeper who is there beside him, when is she going to lie down? and the zookeeper said, she's not going to lie down. And so Gary said, well, who's going to catch the young when it's birthed? He said, you can if you want to. But uh, there's enough strength in the hind legs of that giraffe to can knock your head off. He said, but it's 10 feet up there. And it wasn't long until that baby giraffe was born and dropped. 10 feet to the ground. That's a rude awakening to the new world, isn't it? It laid there for just a little bit, about a minute, and the mother giraffe just, boom, kicked it. Sent it tossing and turning. And it laid there for just a little bit, struggled a little bit, and it kicked it again. It said, why is, that, why is the mother kicking that baby giraffe? She said, it wants it to get up. After the second kick... Managed to wobble up and stand on his weak leg. Just wobbling. And about that time the mother gave it another kick. And sent it rolling over. And said. Why in the world is she doing that? That she wants you to remember how she got up. Because out in the jungle. When the herd moves. It has to get up and move quickly. Or it becomes prey. It's easy for us. To look at our trials as unwelcome visitors into our life. As a kick in the head, so to speak. And we wonder why in the world would a mother do that? Why would God allow this to happen to us? But they, they do have a way of getting us up. And they have a way of making us want to respond to God and seek His protection and seek His care. And it's in those times that we grow the most in our spiritual life if we respond correctly. And that's what this passage is all about today. In fact, as we look at this passage, we have to come to the place where we just learn to accept trials as a normal part of our living. Trouble is something that you just have to take for granted. It comes to Christians, it comes to non-Christians. Trials come to those people whose lives are pure, whose lives are impure. Even Jesus himself had trials. The greatest men and women of the Scripture, greatest saints of all the ages are persons who have faced severe trials and testings in their lives And that's what's made them strong individuals in their faith. Abraham is noted as a man of faith. How did he get that faith? He got it through the strength that came out of testing times as he responded correctly to them. He received a promise from God that he was going to be the father of a great nation through a son. He did not have a son. It seemed as though that promise was never going to be fulfilled. It wasn't fulfilled in Abraham's time timing, but it was fulfilled in God's timing, and then when the son was born to them late in their years, way past the ages of childbearing, a few years passed and the son grew, and when he's in his twenties or maybe early thirties, probably his twenties, Abraham begins to sense that God is saying to him, I want you to sacrifice this son to me as an offering, and at that point he begins to wonder. Do I do God's will? Do I follow God's will? Or do I simply protect this son who is the son of covenant? Well, we all know as we look back on the Old Testament that Abraham withstood that trial. He offered his son or was about to offer him and God provided a lamb. We usually seek to avoid disaster and rightly so. Rightly so. But sometimes, blessings come to us only after we have gone through great struggle. One day in the village, a carpenter laid down his tools for the last time. He closed the door of his shop. He walked out through the village, up a winding path into the hill country, into the caves and the call of the wild animals. The Bible says that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It's a strange passage, isn't it? It's a passage that if you look at it, it says, why, why in the world would the Spirit lead Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil? And it was part of his preparation. It was part of his learning to say, this is my life purpose. This is my direction. And it had to come through the struggles and the temptations that Satan laid down in front of him. And Jesus passed the test. So none of his disciples could ever say, after knowing what Jesus had gone through, I never thought this would happen to me. You ever said that? I never thought this would happen to me. But if it happened to Jesus, of course it's going to happen to us. And sometimes the question might ought to be, why has it not happened to me when it's happened to so many other good people? In the course of our lives, we will be confronted with numerous and various kinds of trials. They'll come in a variety of forms. They'll come in the forms of ill health. They'll come in the forms of disappointed friendships. They'll come in the forms of family problems and splits. They will come because uh, we've, in sorrow, we've lost a loved one and it's very, very painful. They'll come in financial reverses. They'll come in the form of a failure of a member of the family to fail to live up to the expectations of the other members of the family. And a host of things bring about these trials to our lives. When trials come, don't think that you are unique. You're the only one ever having these trials. They're a part of living. God isn't punishing you. God is there to sustain you and to help you through those difficult times. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 10, chapter, uh, 10 13, verse 13. No temptation is taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you can endure, but will with every temptation also make a way of escape. And when you're in these trials, the thing you have to do, you have to check your attitudes toward trials. Check your attitudes. Our attitude, according to James, is to be one of rejoicing. For he says in our text, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. He's a sadistic man, isn't he, James? Count it all joy when you're going through trials? What in the world does he mean? Well, he doesn't mean that you're to to court disaster, you're to look after trouble, and you're to deny the reality of pain. No, no, no. We are to regard all of these things As tests, as trials that are going to help us develop moral and spiritual growth and maturity in our life. Common sense simply dictates to us that that there's times that you're not going to rejoice just because you're facing a trial. The rejoicing is because of something else. I don't know anybody in their right mind rejoices when the doctor says to you, I'm sorry to tell you you got cancer. I don't know anybody in their right mind rejoices when a family splits. There's too much pain involved. No one can possibly be happy when a friend betrays you. There is no way that it's possible to rejoice over the death of a loved one. Financial reverses are never the source of abundant ecstasy. What does he mean? What James is trying to point out to us is that we are as Christians are to rejoice in various kinds of trials because our attitude is looks toward the end result of the trial. You've got to focus on that. We are to rejoice, not because of the distress comes, not because trials are there, but the possible results, the results, the things that they can produce in our life, that's what brings you joy. For if you respond correctly to them, God will bring blessings into your life if you respond negatively to them, it's going to bring an ill effect upon your life. See, a Christian or an athlete, is, a Christian is like an athlete in the sense that the athlete is happy when the intensity of the practice is, is great. The more that the coach lays upon him during the practice session, you'll complain outwardly but really inside he knows that it's equipping him for the victory that he expects when he gets in the big game so if you don't have, if you're playing basketball you don't have good wind you're, you're going to lose the game because you're going to wear out and so all those laps are important all those push-ups and set-ups build stamina And do you like it when you go through it? No, I hate it. But it helps you to prepare for that big event, the big game. The word trial means to test with the expectation of being approved. There's some birds on our front porch last summer. By the way, we spent two or three days in Tennessee. Just to let you know, it was 60 some degrees down there and I mowed my yard and I washed my car in my shirt sleeves and I looked on the computer to see what your temperature was and I thought ah yes <laughs> just rubbing it in a little bit <clears throat> had some young robins about four I think they were in the nest three or four and we watched them grow made my porch dirty but we was kind of excited to sit out there and watch them grow Finally. One day, one of them was gone. And then we watched. We wanted to be sure to see one of them. You know, I, I don't know if the mother came in and pushed them out. But this one day, this one, was flapping its wings. And all of a sudden, it left and went, boom, right down on the ground. And I thought, uh, I bet that hurt. little tiny bird. And I went out in the yard. And it just, it didn't take off immediately to fly. But you know, it came to a point where it realized that it could flap its wings and it could fly. Now to be pushed out of the nest seems cruel, but it's the only way the bird would realize if I flap my wings I can fly and then one day it begins to soar through the air with the greatest of ease and then we could sit on our porch and watch them on the wires above on the other side of the street. Testing times aren't all that bad, folks. Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote and said, Hold on, my child. Joy comes in the morning. Well, that leads us to this next point. We need to focus on the after effects of life's trials. That's what James is talking about. Trials are given for the approval of our faith. And James goes on to say that when you have correct attitudes toward trials, here's what they'll produce in your life. Let's read it, verse 3 and 4 again. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now look down at verse 12 if you have your Bibles open. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And turn your Bible over to 1 Peter, just a page or so, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. Here's what it says. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. These have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now the word trial in both James and Peter refers to an act of putting someone or something to the test with the intent of determining whether it is worthy of approval or not. That's the purpose. So the test is being made with the intent of approving, not failing. Teacher gives a test in school, why? To prove that you have learned the material. Teacher's not interested in proving to fail you wants to know how well I have done as a teacher getting this into your mind. and So it's intended to prove. The word trial was used also in the examination of medical students. Given a test to prove that they had learned enough material that they could go out and practice medicine. Doesn't that make you nervous that they're going to practice medicine? But it wasn't given with the intent of failing them given with the intent, proving that they could do it. Testing times put our faith to the test. And as we are responsible and submissive to God, as we remain faithful to Him, as we are ready to allow Him to teach us things that He is wanting us to learn as we go through those hard times, we demonstrate by our actions, that our faith is a genuine, God-given, Holy Spirit-filled faith. It's true. And so the faith, and it's working out in our lives, is to the glory of God. It's not the testing of our faith, Peter says, that's to the glory of God. It's the approving of our faith, the fact that it is proved worthy as it went through the test. And now God has a creation That he can work with. The fact that God can trust us after we've gone through the testing time is of great value to him. Because you see, God is looking for faithful and dependable people. Not necessarily gifted, talented people. Oh, they're good. But if they're not faithful and dependable, they aren't worth a dime. He's looking for faithful, dependable people. And when we stand the test of faith, it's much more precious than refined gold. Christ-likeness is what he's after, you see. He's wanting us to become Christ-like. And the only way I know to become Christ-like is through the sufferings and the difficulties that we go through. The key to that is perseverance, James says. Perseverance. minister, young minister, was having difficulty with patience and he, was, uh, asked, he asked an older pastor, much older than myself, to, to pray with him about patience. Pray that I'll get patience. And so they went down, knelt at the far corner of the altar. And the old pastor began to pray. Oh, God, bring trouble in this young man's life. Bring him trials and difficulties. Bring suffering in his life. The boy began to get nervous about it. And he tapped him on the shoulder and said, Pastor, I think you misunderstood. I wanted you to pray for patience, not troubles and trials and difficulties. The old pastor said, Son, Bible says, Tribulation worketh patience. That's the only way I know to get it. I don't pray for it, by the way. Patience spoken here, of here is, is the quality that makes a person not just able to go through things, but to stand up under them and turn them into greatness and glory. Verse 4, perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You want to be perfect and complete? Have to go through some trials and tests. It refines you. The word complete there means to develop toward a given end, a given purpose, a given means. So our trials come to perfect us for the tasks that God is wanting to give to us. Some of the greatest leaders of our time have been persons who have undergone great trials and tribulations. And that's why We are either fitting or unfitting ourselves for God's use by the way we respond to the trials that are in our life. The word complete means to make whole, to make complete. It removes all the weaknesses and the impurities in our lives, and it makes us holy, pure people. Folks, they're not given to pull us down. They're given to make us strong. They're given to make us strong people of the faith that other people can look at and say, See how they have endured their temptations and their trials and their difficulties, and it strengthens other people as well. And they cannot destroy you unless you allow them to destroy you. Thomas Edison one day, a great fire broke out in his laboratory. It was a tremendous fire. In fact, it just burned to the ground. Many of his valuable experiments were destroyed, things he'd worked on for years. Later after it had cooled down, he was walking through the fire and he found a package that was tied, burned around the edges, water-soaked, but basically intact by some chance. And he untied the string and opened it up. And at the very center of the package was a picture of himself, a photograph. He looked at it for a moment. Then he reached down and took a piece of burnt charcoal and he wrote across the picture. It didn't touch me. Wow. It didn't touch me. Trials may plague you. They may somehow encompass you. They may put you through the fire of testing. But remember this, they don't have to touch me, songwriter said. I've had many tears and sorrows, I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation God gave blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. I've been a lot of places and I've seen a lot of faces. And there have been times that I felt so all alone. But in those lonely hours, yes, those precious lonely hours, Jesus told me that I was one of his own. And so I thank God for the mountains, and I thank him for the valleys, and I thank him for the storms he brought me through. For if I had never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I would know what faith in God could do. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. You can overcome any trial with God's strength. No one denies that trials are exceedingly difficult for us to pass through. You may be facing one this morning, one that at times seems insurmountable to you. You don't know how you're going to get through the trial. My friend, take courage. Here's what the Bible says. The Lord will deliver you in the day of trouble. They don't have to touch you. They don't have to touch you. And you'll come out on the other side, if you respond correctly, stronger in your faith. Father, I pray that you will help us this morning. I know there's some folks going through some tough times. I just ask, Lord, that you'll help them to take this passage from James and live by it. Put it into their life. Lord, no one's saying it's easy. Very hard. Very difficult. Father, I just pray in the strong name of Jesus that persons here today will find help in their time of need. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Would you stand please? One of the